1: turn their retirement goals into reality and improve their lives. And now here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Dr. James Osborne. Dr. Osborne is a specialist in pediatric dentistry and runs a practice in Selma, Alabama called children's dentistry of central Alabama. He's a graduate of Auburn university war Eagle and the University of Alabama School of Dentistry, that's UAB for those keeping score at home, not the Crimson Tide, where he also completed his specialty training. Welcome to the show.
2: Glad to be here, Ross. Uh, thank you for having me on the show.
1: Sure thing. Well, let's jump right in and uh, start here. When did you know you wanted to become a dentist?
2: That's a good question, Ross.
1: Um... Well, I know you pretty well, so I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of an answer. So for those who don't know, you are a chemistry, chemical engineering undergrad, right?
2: Yes, chemical engineering background at Auburn University. And I guess sophomore to junior year, I was chemical engineering with a specialty pre-med. I just had my options open. Because
1: you might go oil and gas is where you might go, right?
2: Yeah, so most of your chemical engineers are, um, you know, running your... Oil and gas, different petroleum companies, or in the C suite. A lot of them end up on most of your, you know, industrials, but you're inside, you know, you're punching out spreadsheets all day, doing digital simulations. You know, to me, it just wasn't the way to go. Um, searching out medicine was really attractive, I guess. And, uh, but then all the doctors that i talked to are really stressed out and kind of said, Hey, I don't know if I would do this. Then I talked to some dentists and all of them said, why don't you join the club? And they were fired up over what they were doing. So I dug in a little more and saw the similarities between the academics. And then I looked at what was actually happening. And the dentist, I'd always been the patient, you know, behind the scenes as a you know kid and teenager. And it had work. But when you're looking over the dentist's shoulder, you see that he's actually this microsurgeon doing these little operations that, that create, you know, that have a very high degree of technicality and he was pretty well compensated. So, and he had a lifestyle, which he was happy about. He was off on Fridays. And I said, wait a minute, maybe I should look at this rather than the ER doctor or the cardiac surgeon that I'd talked to that they're basically, they were kind of compensated similarly, not as much, maybe overall, but per hour and, one was really happy and one wasn't so happy. And so that uh, led down this path to dentistry.
1: I had a previous guest who had a very similar story where he wanted to be a physician and uh, a doctor that he was walking kind of shadowing basically said, don't
2: do it. Go be a dentist. Yeah, that was that was kind of what one of them. Def- well, that was 100% what one of them told me.
1: So what made you go to specializing in pediatric dentistry versus general dentistry, orthodontics or something else?
2: I did keep my options open, uh, even as I went into UAB and the, and the School of Dentistry. I didn't really know what, what specialty I wanted to move into, but I knew as long as you know we achieved uh, higher scores, that those opportunities would be in front of me and not behind me, and I would be able to make those choices. So thankfully, God kind of helped me out on those tests, and, and we did well. And so we had the different opportunities. Uh, while at Auburn, I would um, do you know, different camps in the summer for kids and kind of connected with them volunteering, you know, Camp smile a mile which kids for, it's a camp for kids with cancer and there's their families. And that always kind of tugged at my heart. And as I entered into the different, you know, specialty options, pediatrics obviously started to stand out. I looked at oral surgery, orthodontics and pediatrics, um, but really felt a piece about pediatrics as the oral surgeons were super stressed out. And for whatever reason, it came down to orthodontics and pediatrics. And I really felt my heart and kind of called, um, you know, by God just to do pediatrics and take care of kids the way he would have you to.
1: And the way it worked out is your wife, her father ran a pediatric office in Selma, which you guys ended up taking over, right?
2: Yeah, so straight, yeah, strange turn of events. We weren't dating in dental school till our third year. We were already in the swing of this, you know, or I was in the swing of this figuring out where I was going to go as far as specialty and which way. So it turned out that at the same time, I decided that I'm starting to date her. And it just worked out where that was an option. And after looking at numerous options, we really felt I had this one day that I could just remember I was in the shower and, and for whatever reason, I think Think great in the shower, lots of ideas there. And I was going through uh, four different options of pediatric locations. And this is while I was in the pediatric training after dental school and trying to figure out where we're going. And his practice is an option and um, three other really ideal situations. And I just really felt a calling to this location and to do something a little bit, I would say non-mainstream as far as pediatric dentistry, getting out of the main cities and the main hub hubs of population and coming to Selma, which kind of serves a rural population and a larger geographic scope. And so I really had a piece about that. And from there forward, we just set down that path and It's been rewarding ever since, and and God's really honored those faithful steps.
1: Let's talk a little bit about Selma because not everyone knows about it. And for anyone who knows any history, obviously, it's one of the birthplaces of the civil rights movement. But Selma is basically southwest or south central or central western Alabama. How far west of Montgomery are you?
2: So we're about 40 miles west of Montgomery. Highway 80 runs east-west.
1: And the population of Selma is what?
2: It's uh, around 15, 17,000 in the city, 50,000 in the county.
1: And it's, it's relatively economically depressed, yes or no? Uh,
2: yes, it's definitely the Black Belt region of Alabama that also pours into Mississippi. Uh, this is considered one of the more you know, downtrodden areas as far as industry goes.
1: And yet, uh, so you run pediatric dentistry and your practice is what percent Medicaid?
2: It's about 80% Medicaid. Okay. And so obviously
1: Medicaid is not nearly as profitable as if you were to be in a, let's just say Hoover, Alabama, which is a pretty high income part of Birmingham. Hoover, Alabama would be a much more profitable place per patient probably than a Medicaid practice. Is that right?
2: That's pretty fair
1: shake. But so, but you obviously felt a call to what you're doing, but talk a little bit about the difference in your practice because you run a high volume practice. And uh, I know we've had conversations how, if you hire an associate, one of the biggest challenges is, can they keep up with your pace? You run an incredibly high volume practice and an incredibly fast paced day. So talk a little bit about that. What's that like?
2: So, yes, we do. We, our practice is a very busy practice. Over the years, it's grown every single year that we've been here, year over year, patient numbers. I think that really has to do first and foremost with a patient first mentality and a patient uh, centered treatment. You know, so we let the patient and the parent really guide me as far as how they want their treatment to be handled. And and I really don't put a lot of my personal beliefs or anything in their way. I just want them to achieve you know, a great oral health status and also to achieve it in a way that they feel comfortable um, with that treatment being, uh, you know, administered. And so we do, we have to, one interesting thing about Medicaid, as you mentioned, is those profit margins are slimmer. And so you have to have a sustainable business. And so, yeah, you've got to be aware of the profit margins, uh, no matter what insurance group it is you know, Blue Cross is a huge player in Alabama. You need to know their margins, just like even the smallest group. And so once you figure that out, you can set up your business, no matter which business it is, to really make sure that the numbers that you need to hit as a family and overtime are are being achieved. Um, And while also making sure that the patient satisfaction is through the roof, just because you're a lot of high volume practices get a, a little bit of a bad name as far as that goes. Other dentists will look at them and say maybe they're, they like to use the term clinic. That may be fair in a lot of situations. But in our situation, what people encounter once they're here in their own site is they find a, a facility that is really well maintained. They find a staff uh, that is young and energetic and treats their children uh, just like their own family. And then they can put a face and a name with the doctors uh, who reference their, their children. And, uh, you know, our kids are in the practice and out of the practice. And, and so it makes an atmosphere where it's easy. It's, it's one of good communication and love. And so we can speed up those patients moving through because there's trust there. And that really plays out, um, you know, big time in our success. How many
1: patients do you typically see a day?
2: Last week, we saw, I think, 90, plus 90 every day.
1: And what would the average uh, practice typically say? I would say
2: 50 to 60, I guess.
1: So you're you're running almost double. But now, how far away do you have patients come from? Because you talk about the uh, patient experience, and you've got people coming from quite a ways to come see you because of that patient experience. How far away are they coming from?
2: Three weeks ago, we had a new patient from Crestview, Florida, So that was kind of a, that was a reach. That's probably two. It's three. It's Destin. I mean, that's, that's right. So you're, I mean, so
1: it's two to three hours away.
2: Yeah, one way. So we do, we reach all the way there. Uh, This week, we had a new family from Florella, Florida, and there probably are fourth, fifth, sixth family from Florella. And so Alexander City, Huntsville, Alabama, which is three hours one way. Basically, every county in Alabama, we're fortunate enough to have some patients uh, come this way. and um, So they
1: wouldn't be doing that if they weren't achieving or experience, having a great experience. So you're meeting the standard and going above it, or at least that's your goal But for them to come that far.
2: Yes. And so it is interesting. And uh, we call it Noah's Ark because um, people just show up two by two and you never know where they're going to come from, which is just really fun and we have doctors that refer to us um, based off of this great reputation that's been set up rather than on the backside of us going around and, and getting referrals and marketing. So it's really fun to, you know, help those patients out. I think one big difference for most patients is they'll show up from, say, Florella or Dothan, Alabama on, you know, two and a half hours and we'll get a treatment plan in place. And if they want to do something that day, we're going to do it and we'll fit it in. We don't have any, you know, sell tactics. We're not here to sell you anything. They don't feel that way. We're not here to, we're just here to help. And we identify the issues they have. They typically know those issues already. And we get them really well explained to the uh, patient and parent. and, And then if they want to do something, we will, and we'll fit them into the schedule. And, you know, if I need to work through lunch, I will work through lunch and, and just take care of those kids just like they're our own. And so that's kind of the secret sauce is just understanding you put them first and not yourself. And so, and we do that. Well, a lot of
1: people are probably saying, okay, I understand the customer or patient experience, but typically to achieve that, you need a lower volume practice to spend more time with people. You're kind of flipping that on its head and you're saying we're doing high volume and giving a great patient experience so much so that people are traveling from three hours away one way. How are you able to do both of those things when most people would think it can't be done?
2: I think one thing that we do is we look at the inefficiencies that exist in a lot of healthcare systems and in offices, dental offices, excuse me. And so you know, if you're seeing 90 patients and you waste one minute a patient, that's an hour and a half of dead time inside that office. That adds up. What does that add up to? It adds up to patient wait times. You know, we do run a little bit of a wait at our office. We have timers on every single patient so that I can understand who's waiting, uh, how long they're waiting, what level, what specific part of their treatment and their process. As far as the flow of the office they're in, Um, we try to achieve in and out status in under an hour. As a dad of three, if you can get me in and out of anywhere in an hour, I am super happy. You know, most places can't do that. You go to most medical offices, you're going to be there all day and very little is going to be accomplished. We have a large staff that helps us. But when we're walking through the hall, we may be going to another patient, but we speak to everyone. We hug kids. You know, we're talking to them. All the staff does that. When you get paired up into your room with your hygienist, you're getting, you know, 20 minutes of time with just her. It's not that your experience is quicker. It's just that we're doing, we're turning the rooms appropriately. We're using multiple people to do what most people only have one person doing. We break apart those processes and think about them from an engineering standpoint. If you break apart the process and rip those processes apart where most doctors never consider the processes, then you really can find some inefficiencies and gain some time, which allows you to see more patients. And so that's that's one thing. Uh, my background helps there. Definitely achieve those you know, those efficiencies, which allows for more treatment to be provided in the same amount of time to these patients that need it, seeing more kids or seeing the same number, but yet providing more treatment than just a cleaning, a cleaning plus a filling if they need one, so that they don't have to come back, which is a true value add in our space. Uh, Ross, you've got so many kids, we can't even count. Them. And so if you're going to the dentist and your kids all have issues, say they each had one cavity and I could look at you and say, Hey, I tell you what, if you'll hang out for the next hour and a half, I will get every one of your kids taken care of and their cavities after we've already done their cleanings, everything's going to be done. You don't even have to come back. No more paperwork again, just same day, but you've got to give me an hour and a half to clear out some time to make up, to take care of your 12 kids. I think you would say, hey, that sounds amazing. I'm going to go take care of some business in the car or I'll run to Dollar General. We'll be back and we'll get it knocked out. So that's what happens to most of our families. And it makes that drive worth it because you're getting more than you'll get at another office.
1: That's huge because you're saving so much time. And especially if they're driving one way from several hours away, you know, You just save them another trip they don't have to come back for another six months that's huge so we talked a minute ago about your wife you work with your wife so you and your wife work together my wife and i worked together like 15 years ago and i joe i say that i fired her she says that she quit either way we both agree that we can never work together again it's a point of uh kind of comical conflict in our marriage we talk about it but uh what's it like for you to work with your wife or maybe the better question is what's it like for your wife to work with you of course she's not here to answer
2: (laughs) she's not here to defend herself or to attack me but you know i think if we were you know both given our opinions uh i'm the boss at work for the most part and she's the boss at home and i don't necessarily question things that happen there and she has everything lined up and she's working behind the scenes to make all that happen with the kids schedule and and whatever it is. And then I'm working here behind the scenes to make sure that when she comes in, she can be a doctor and try to make that experience for her where she just has to take care of the doctor part and treating the patients and have the energy for them. And along with our office manager and wonderful staff, you know, we take care of the administrative side and try to keep that burden less on her so that she can be more, you know, just a surgeon and dentist and enjoy that job. She's a fantastic dentist, really good with the kids. And so it's really worked out. It's a good partnership. Her strengths are some of my weaknesses. Uh, Some of my weaknesses are her strengths. You know, every day is not rainbows and, and cookies, whether it's just in the marriage inside the business or in pediatrics. And it's why a lot of people won't do pediatrics. It's easy to take care of that little three-year-old that gives you a hug and doesn't have cavities. But when she's got one and she's real mad, it's not so fun. But the same thing, you know, in our relationship, I would say most weeks it's awesome. But when you're both stressed out, of course, you can have conflict. Uh, We've been working together now. I mean, 11 years, every day, we go home together, you know, see each other all day, every day. I love it. I mean, she's my best friend. And so, like I said, there are sticking points there, but we don't we don't take it home. And we, you know, you don't take offense. I think a lot of people, especially in today's world, they want to take offense on everything. Our practice is super diverse. I mean, back to Selma, Alabama, it's super diverse. You know, we serve every type of patient, every demographic, every socioeconomic level. And so, you know, you just treat people the right way and you treat your spouse the right way, you treat your staff the right way, and you treat them how they want to be treated, you know, and most people just want to be loved on. So you just take care of them, and it, and it all works out. And that that includes uh, our marriage, my business partner, Rain Osborne.
1: Well, so you have a very high volume practice. Your wife is involved. You have three young boys who are in prime uh, kids activity phase, as, as I know, and I don't have 12 kids, as you mentioned, I have five. But, uh, and so, so at this phase of your life, both of our lives, we're basically unpaid Uber drivers. So with all of that going on, how do you have balance, if there is such a thing? Uh, how do you not go legally insane?
2: And if you do, I would completely understand with everything going on, That's a hard one, Ross. That's a hard one. Not a softball on this question. So, yeah, there are a lot of stressors out there, a lot of landmines. And, you know, you've got to try to um, put those in their place. You know, obviously, you know, I'm a Christian, so I start my day with uh, Bible study. And once we lay that foundation, you know, you can reference that if you don't have that foundation for me, uh, you know, it's tough to reference it. One little secret sauce that really helps me every day, like while we're taking care of patients, is we play music through our halls and most of it's Christian music. I like to sing, which is kind of odd, but I will sing to myself or I'll sing out loud. You can't really do that in adult practice. They'd probably think you are insane. But with kids, kids don't care. Kids are awesome. And uh, it's one reason why I take uh, care of kids. They want to sing songs. I'll sing the song too. You want to sing frozen? We're singing frozen, but that keeps my stress level down. Some, um, it keeps us patient focused. That's a little trick during my day, you know, managing the kids at home, rain helps out, but coming home to two hours of homework, you know, taking care of a hundred kids during the day. And in some of those cases were really stressful and you've given all your energy at work. You could to make sure that, you know, their treatment was done. Um, to the best of your ability and their experience was the, the best that uh, they could achieve each of them themselves. You know, it's, it's tough sometimes being a dad and that's obviously, you know, my number one job right after being a husband. Um, and so, you know, there are stressful moments there. And so you, you've got to deal with those. You've got to try to leave work at work, home at home, refocus. When you go through the door, I know some people talk about when you go through the door, you know, you reset that's hard for me sometimes, but I try to do it.
1: So let's switch gears here for a second. Let's talk about you know a dental practice is a business. There's a lot of moving parts, and you know financial challenges are real. Uh, obviously, last year was a was an interesting year to say the least. But how is it? Uh, has it been a challenge to manage the business, and if you and to deal with that, and if you do do that, how has it helped you? I mean, I know you have professional advisors. How does it helped you to have good relationships with those advisors?
2: So, uh, yes, you know, obviously there's ups and downs of every market and not only business, but any, any market you're in, uh, whether it's maybe it's your stock portfolio, just looking at it. That's an easy one. But people think market, you know, the ups and downs every day. And the same thing you have in the dental world or or whatever business it is, you know, there's ups and downs. There's days where there's decreased revenue. There's days there's e- increased revenue. That's typically what most businesses think about. Yeah. And so you need to set up, I think the main thing to achieve success is, you know, you gotta have a short term plan. You gotta have a long-term plan. You gotta have those short-term markers that make sure that your business is healthy. You've gotta have long-term goals that are worth achieving. You've got to understand that uh, cycles there are cycles for a reason. And you've got to watch those metrics. And not always. I, You know, when I was younger, I would, I would really get it into those metrics really hard sometimes. And that's just going to produce stress. Uh, you need to, you know, have the markers and understand if you're kind of tracking or if you're not and how to adjust gradually and Don't make uh, impulse decisions as that comes. You know, you want to know what your break-even point is. A lot of guys have no clue what break-even point is. They'll set up a brand new business, you know, take out a half million dollars of debt, a million dollars of debt, and hire four employees right out of the bat. And, you know, they don't know what their break-even point is. Any business that you have, all those things existed i just said and you need to know your break-even point and then you need to know not the break-even point because who wants to break even you need to pay for your kids food at home so you need to add in what is it going to take to put food on the table and to support your lifestyle that is reasonable i'm I'm not saying a excessive lifestyle just just a reasonable lifestyle for yourself self so that when you're hitting that revenue you can sleep at night you know i'm i'm there the bills are being paid, the employees are paid, you know, debt's paid, and we can eat. And then you put that into context over time, and it helps. I think also you've got to make sure that I think you pointed out, you know, setting up yourself with advisors. As I've been in this longer, I accumulate more advisors. And what I find is that it's not that we're that I'm dragging these advisors along It's that I see the value in each of their opinions and viewpoints. You know, I work with you, many aspects of what we do and each person, you know, they offer, each advisor offers their own viewpoint and it can really be helpful to have those different viewpoints as you're assimilating this decision to be made on whatever it may be. It could just be a family decision, but if you have these advisors in your corner, board of directors, some people like to say, or whatever it may be, it really helps to get these decisions made and have somebody with your best interest, but not emotionally driven, not, uh, not in the, in the heat of the battle, but outside looking in. And so that's, that really helps. And, you know, having different advisors that can look at different sectors of what's going on, business, maybe protection, long-term goals, different things. uh, Those advisors are very valuable. So you're looking for advisors that can bring value add not only to what what they specifically bring, but also that they have knowledge of other fields to help you. And so those are advisors worth having on your team.
1: So along those lines, what does the word or what does the phrase financial health mean to you?
2: Well, you know, you hear that term and, you know, it's it's almost opposites, right? You know, because some people, I don't know, money, health, you know, financial health. I think financial health is when, you know, really that you could think about money. Well, I, I think I'm gonna be scattered on this question, Ross, and I apologize for that. But that you could think about money in a healthy standpoint is one way to do it. Some people view money with this really, you know, negative viewpoint. Whether it's accumulating, it's greed, it's all these things uh, that it can be. You know, sort of like an idol, and that's that's definitely not what you want to be doing. It's kind of you know the means to the end. But financial health, what I think about it is, we're running our business in a financially healthy way. The business is sustainable as the revenue comes in, there's money to support the doctors or, and all the employees and what those compensations need to be appropriately, and provide long-term stability to a community. And in our particular case, provide um, long-term stability to patients' uh, healthcare. And so financial health inside our particular business allows for the sustain for the sustainability of uh, the business. And, you know, if you don't have a sustainable business, it's not going to be there in the end. And you're not doing anybody a justice, including the startup business owner or whatever, you know, existing business owner for that. sake, you know, you've got to understand the balance there.
1: That's good perspective right there. So I like to ask these two questions to everyone I talk to. What advice would you give to a new dental school graduate?
2: Number one advice would be find yourself either a dentist that's willing to bring you in with a, a business that's big enough for you to go into. So like an associate. An associate, but with a path to partnership. Um, that's what you're interested in. As far as if you want to maximize your compensation, if you're not interested in that, find the same dentist that you really feel like those beliefs are there that line up with your beliefs and the integrity so that you can have a long term plan of being an employee. And that's fine for some dentist, but you want to make sure that those beliefs align so that it can be a long term situation as opposed to a short term temporary situation as opposed to going in with a company and not aligning with their overall uh, viewpoints. We see that a lot. I know a lot of classmates of ours that graduated. It took them five, seven years to get going um, because they got under doctors that, you know, the, the beliefs and the and where they were supposed to be going was not really where they were going. Um, but finding a mentor that is successful and willing to um, build into your family and has the right character, I think that's the number one thing. And if, if they're trying to go out on their own, I would say find a doctor that has cash flow, a cash flowing business and buy him out as opposed to start your own. And that is very contradictory to what a lot of young guys and girls wanna do. They wanna start their own brand. But if you will grab a hold of a cash stream, you are gonna be leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else in five years. There's no question about it.
1: Last question. I know your wife reads a ton you read a little, (laughs) she reads like a book a day. What's the best book you've read recently, whether that's Audible, whether you heard it from your wife, and she said it was a great book. What's the best book you've read recently?
2: Yes, Ross, my wife does read, yes, a book every few days, and I do not, as you know. But I've been working on a book, uh, Man in the Mirror, and I can't remember the author's name, but it's it's really good. It's really dives into deep inner beliefs on money and finances and health and making sure that you are a man that's leading your family in the proper um, direction. I've enjoyed it. Recently, I also read Tax-Free Wealth by um, Tom Wheelwright. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a great little book. And it's obviously in the Robert Kiyosaki style family, which is fun. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of that. I don't churn through too many books, unfortunately. I wish I did, but they're all good. The Bible gets opened every day. And so great. that'd be first and then uh, moving into those others.
1: Well, great. I truly appreciate your time today, James. Thank you for joining us. Everyone, you've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brand. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to
0: podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Expiration April twenty twenty three. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS Guardian or North Florida Financial. And opinions
2: stated are their own. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities LLC, PAS OSJ three six six four Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License, number 16139032. California Insurance License, number 0L10073. 2021 Expiration June 2023.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c Radio.com.